Let me just introduce Edwin. Um, if anybody hasn't, hasn't met Edwin before, Edwin and I have been working together for more years than I, I care to remember. He was... Uh, yeah, well before we, we, we encountered HubSpot. Edwin has his own agency called Floodlight, uh, and we work in parallel with him. He's done some very large implementations, both on HubSpot itself and also on Salesforce, and that is kind of what he wants to talk to you about today. I know it's a HubSpot user group, but I think there's some interesting stories here. Edwin, thank you. Good morning, everybody. How are you? That was a really good talk by John. I actually learned quite a lot, and I'm a bit worried he's taken a lot of my uh, the stuff I'm going to talk about today as well. But I'll, I'll try and keep it interesting. How much time do I have, Cliff? About 40 minutes. 40 minutes. All right, let me just set my timer. Brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to talk about... Oh, what's happened? Oh, there we go. So I'm going to be talking about uh, marketing strategies and sales implementations. What's going on here? Hold on a second. Have I put that Don't press that. Okay, cool. Let Don't me touch any. All right, let's start again. All right, should we start again? Yes. All right, so good morning, everybody. Are you enjoying the, the hug event so far? Yes. All right, great. All right, let's start again. So I'm going to be talking about how you implement sales and marketing strategies into large corporations. And part of this will be talking about HubSpot and Pardot and Salesforce. How many of you have heard of Pardot? How many of you use Pardot? Oh, so some of these Pardot users will know some of the problems. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. So marketing technology, when I started in, in marketing, it was actually BizDev, and marketing te technologies was quite disparate. So I did a quick Google, and I saw a myriad of marketing technologies that exist. So how many of you have heard of Magento? WordPress, Shopify, okay. How many of you use Shopify, WordPress, or Magento? All right, good. Um, have you heard of Hybris? E-commerce system, a bit like Magento, but for large scales. You've got project management tools such as Asana. Just put your hands up and call these names out. Trello, good. Where am I? Monday.com, yeah, there you go. And then you've got uh, conference tools. So we, we've done collaboration tools like Slack, River. Anyone heard of River? No, that, that didn't really last long. We used it in the office and we rejected it. You've got Microsoft Teams, which is now integrating um, Skype, Business Skype, uh, collaboration, messaging, Outlook, all their, their documentation tools into, into a, a platform for organizations. Um, then you've got uh, com uh, conference tools such as Uber, Conference, Zoom, um, Mailchimp, remember Constant Contact, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Aweber, <coughs> Zapier for marketing uh, automating processes. I'll quickly run through all these. Hootsuite, yeah, everyone uses those for social media. Clout, anyone remember Clout, the social media? Yep, yeah, so here we go. LinkedIn, obviously, uh, PandaDocs, DocuSign. Anyone remember Sales Fusion? Ah, there you go. Oh, there's a guy at the back that remembers Sales Fusion. And then you've also got the sales side, such as VoIP IP, pipe drive, and different ways of um, doing your sales pipeline. So that's actually quite disparate. And when I started doing marketing back in 2011, 
you had a range, myriad of technologies. But I'm going to focus, the big ones that came through, obviously, is HubSpot, that's why we're here, Eloqua, Marketo, and Salesforce. Pardot was originally a standalone platform before it was purchased in uh, 2020. So at the time, it was just really Salesforce and some other technologies. So what I'm going to talk about today is, is there a big difference between Pardot and Salesforce? And in short, the answer is not really. They pretty much do the same thing. It's about how you actually go off and implement them in different organizations. So I'm going to say Pardot is more geared for more enterprise level, big corporations, and HubSpot is for mediums and small companies. But you can actually use HubSpot in enterprise solutions, depending what your, your objectives are. So I want to talk about how it all began. How did I get there? Um, as you can see, I wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider, but I sometimes feel like marketing was. So I started out in um, IT. I did my degree in electronics and electrical engineering. Um, and my first job, I was working for a company called Gulliver's Travels. Anyone ever heard of Gulliver's Travels? <sighs> yes. So I, I worked, they had massive AS400 dumb terminals uh, and servers and, uh, and some PCs. And bear in mind, this was at the beginning of the days of the internet, so I was still using an AOL connection to dial in and so forth. Um, so I was working there in their IT department, supporting their marketing team, their sales team. I eventually left and started working for the National Audit Office. And again, I worked in IT. Now, the unique thing about being in IT, it meant you dealt with everything. It meant that you dealt with marketing for some odd reason because it was on a computer. You dealt with emails, intranets before the, the days of the, web, the World Wide Web. Uh, some people are smiling. So I, I did a lot of projects. So I did desktop, desktop support and server support uh, and management and rollout of systems. I then actually went into banking um, in, in IT. So I worked for an investment bank. Does anyone know who this is? It is Toronto Dominion Securities. So I worked on the trading floor at the time. Tron, uh, TD were one of the biggest banks in Canada and they had one of the best, well, successful trading um, securities firms in the UK. So I worked across many, many projects. I worked across fixed income, Forex, and so forth. But what it did was it actually taught me about um, marketing in some aspects. So the fixed income desk, they have clients that they actually sell bonds to. So their first database that I actually came in uh, contact with in the real world was ACT. Does anyone remember ACT? Yes. Yes, yes. It was an interesting database. It wasn't, very well, it wasn't well done, but that was the only tool available to, to actually do CRM, customer relationship management. I'll go to present day. So I then took a position later on after working for some years with Cluid. I took up a role doing uh, lead gen for a content strategy platform called Concured that uses AI and technology. I then worked for Iris. I'm not too sure why that's blue when it should be red. Um, and one of their clients was Shell, so I came in as a Pardot expert for Shell, and then I was working for Centrica Business Solutions, again, with their Pardot implementation. And Concured is actually quite small. It's, very, it's a very small startup business, and the remaining three are actually very big corporations, very big companies. Uh, you know Shell. How many of you know Centrica Business Solutions? Yep, part of British Gas. So I'm going to talk about... Um, what I was doing there, and of course, I've been working with White Hat. Can you guys actually see these logos? 
yeah, a bit projectors going. Okay, so I'd been working with White Hat for a very long time. And again, I was on that journey when White Hat became an inbound marketing agency and became a HubSpot partner. Um, I will tell you some stories if you guys want to talk to me later on and uh, we'll fill you in. But how did I actually get started? I actually started originally in business development. And the company started off as a floodlight new business. So if any of you ever received an email marketing biz dev email from us, I'm the guy behind it all, right? Um, But when we started, we started doing business development for creative and design agencies. And it was quite an interesting experience. Um, We didn't know that they didn't know who their customers were. So when we began, we started using ACT as our primary database of actually reaching out to our... Um, I'll go back. Sorry, one second, let me go back. We, didn't, we were using ACT as our database to actually go out and reach and, and engage with design agencies and creative agencies to offer them biz dev services. And eventually, we actually got people to sign up and, and trust us to actually do their business development. Now, back in the day... Our business development was a very simple model. We had an ACT database and we had some email. So email marketing was... Oops. I'm trying not to. Don't, don't stand on the floor. Um, was, yeah, so when we first started, we were primarily doing email marketing. So back in 2012, email marketing was the, the prime way of getting in front of your B2B customers. You send them an email, they click on a link, you could track it, you could then have a follow-up call, and then do your pitch and get yourself in, in, in front of their customers. So it was the best way of doing things. But we had one database, we had a few clients, and then I quickly worked out that we couldn't use Act moving forward. So we had to do an evaluation of which database we're going to use for our, uh, for our customers and for ourselves. So I actually had to take a look at what CM would actually help us resolve some of the issues that we had. Some of those were, we needed a CRM that would create multiple sales pipelines for new clients, have email marketing, data management tools, client reporting. How do you actually report on the work that you're being um, paid to do? So are we meeting our SLAs? Are we meeting our targets? Where are the bottlenecks? What's happening? How do we keep our data clean? Um, Was the CRM going to be scalable? And what that meant was once we got to a certain size, if we brought in new clients, can we actually bring on new team members, train them up quickly, and actually deliver that same quality of service every time we expanded? Um, And most importantly, did it do email? So I actually had to go off and do... I decided, me and my business partner at the time, we decided to evaluate which CRNs were best. So we looked at ACT, and ACT was definitely a no-no. Sugar CRM was actually a very good database and the reason why we looked at Sugar CRM. Who remembers Sugar CRM? Does anybody still use it? No. Reason why, I, I didn't actually quite like it, but one of the things that was missing was it didn't really have email. It had customer relationship functionality. You could build out pipelines, but it wasn't scalable. didn't have email. Um, same for Zoho and same for Sugar CRM. So we came down, I came down to two, Salesforce. I ran with Salesforce for about two weeks and by far and all, it met my objectives. It, it, it meant that I could do many things within one platform, scale it up, do email marketing, manage clients, do reporting, bring in teams. It just helped with what our targets were at the time. And that's how I ended up working with Salesforce. 
and Campaign Monitor. So Campaign Monitor was a nice, cheap way of sending mass emails to businesses with our database. And, and that's how and why we ended up with Salesforce and Cam, um, Campaign Monitor. Now, what I learnt when I was working with these businesses, uh, creative agencies and agencies, they didn't really have any form of um, lead prospecting, lead nurturing or follow-ups. So one, how I like to work is I think if you're hired to do a job like business development or creating customers and leads and you're, you're being hired to do that job, I always look at when you don't need us anymore, are they going to be able to survive without us? And what I discovered was a lot of agencies at the time did not have any form of sales. So they just believed that their product or their, their service offerings was just good enough. It sold themselves. So they believed if you get us in front of a client, we would be able to convert and win business straight away. And I'd go, okay, but what happens if you don't? What happens if they're not ready to engage you at that time? What happens next? Do you have a system, a way of nurturing and following up the leads? The answer to that was no. So what tended to happen was we actually had to come in as an agency and solve their, their marketing and potentially sales, prob- um, sales challenges. And I was working with um, Salesforce, and Salesforce is a really good CRM. And as these problems were coming up, I had to solve them. And guess what? I'm standing on something. Oh, yes. All right. I'm going to stand over here. I had to teach myself. Now, when you're teaching yourself on the fly, dealing with clients, it's very hard. And this is pre, this is about 2012 onwards, Salesforce really didn't have any training. The only training that you got was a big manual, um, and you had to read for it. If you needed to do something, you had to go off and see what that meant, go off and create fields, put them in, test them, and so forth. So I, I actually had to learn and play with Salesforce as a CRM to solve lots of problems. Now, what I didn't realize what I was doing was I was building processes, automation processes, and I was doing a form of internal marketing automation. Okay? And, and, and because it's such a complex uh, process, you've got many clients, your, your, head, your head is down, you're just working hard, and you don't realize, oh, I'm actually doing some marketing automation. Um, and over time, when you're doing business development, I saw the evolution of email actually reducing. So you had new services coming online like SEO, PPC, uh, LinkedIn was actually growing um, as a service. So over time, I was adding in new products, new offerings to complement the business dev. Um, and that's how I started to realize, oh, there's a thing called marketing tech, marketing technologies. Right, I'm standing well away. Right, now, I hear what you're thinking. You thought, this is a hug event. Why is this guy talking about CRMs and Salesforce? I'll, I'll get to there, I'll get to there. So as um, cloud, cloud computing was becoming um, more popular and software as a surface was actually becoming uh, more popular, we needed to find newer ways of staying um, ahead for our clients. We found like email marketing. How many people still do email marketing? Okay. How many people combine their email marketing with telemarketing? Okay. How many of you combine your email marketing and telemarketing with um, PPC? Retargeting. So the numbers have gone down. It, some of you behind. Lots of email marketing, telemarketing, no, no. So what we worked out was we worked out that actually if you want to compete and stay ahead, you have to do more. It was the law of diminishing returns. So 
over the years, I realized that we were doing more and more work, less and less returns, email marketing, telemarketing, adding new services, but it wasn't under one roof. And I think about this time four years ago now, we, we went to a Hub, HubSpot presentation about marketing automation, seeing lots of their content. I was like, who are these guys? So Clued and I, Clued booked in, we went down to this nice presentation, and these guys were like, uh, this is what you need to be doing. I was like, oh, we've been doing all this, but we've been doing it with Salesforce, spreadsheets, using all sorts of different tools to get this done. So... What if I had discovered HubSpot a little bit earlier? What would my life be like back in 2012? It would have been a lot easier. Um, and the reason why I like HubSpot and the HubSpot program, and a lot of you know, it's the academy. The, the training and support that HubSpot give you through the, the marketing tech, but also the sales alignment. How many of you have actually gone through some of the academy um, certifications? Okay. How many of you are certified in inbound? How many of you certified in the sales side? Yeah, there's one person there. You don't put your hand up. Okay, okay. How many people have let their uh, certifications lapse? Yeah, me too. I, I've actually got to go through all those. But the good thing about HubSpot was, and my HubSpot journey was, when we joined the HubSpot system, it wasn't just a technology. I always look at technology and say it's agnostic. Most technology hasn't changed from the days when I was at university. And if you know when that was, that was between 1993 to 1996. The fundamentals of IT are pretty much the same. What's changed is you've got more computing power, and that means the stuff that we went to do back in the early 2000s, you can now do today. Video conferencing, emails, everything on your phone, it's amazing. But what was really interesting was HubSpot created an ecosystem that really helped um, White Hat as an agency grow and become scalable. So, you know, went through the training program. But the key thing, right, the key thing that I learned was we got marketing training. But what was really great for me was the sales training. Now, how many of you really appreciate sales? Or how many of you like sales? Oh, my gosh. How many of you would run a mile if you had to do sales for a living? Yeah, exactly. But sales is... It's the only thing in business. If, you, if you're not making sales, you don't have a business, right? Would you agree with that? Right. So when I was working with, um, with our, my earlier clients, the biggest challenge I always had was how do you get them to appreciate the sales? Sales was something that they wanted to pass over to someone else, delegate or um, abdicate because no one... What, what's your impression of salesmen? Who thinks of a uh, Arthur Daly dodgy second-hand car salesman when someone says sales? Put your hands up. All right, double glazing salesman. Yeah. All right. And we, we was having a conversation earlier on. People think of sales as uh, salespeople as hunters, right? And you're the prey. And there is no negotiation. The hunter does not negotiate with its prey when it's about to to kill it, right? But sales isn't really about that. Sales is really about you have a service, you have something that could offer value to your market and you need to promote promote what you're selling and then you do need a sales team to actually get your your product into that business for example and what I really liked about HubSpot was the fact that they they gave the training the whole corporate way of selling how do you build pipelines and systemized it so two things I always say um, I love HubSpot because of the, the training that it offers and the support that you have and what it allows you to do, you can actually take that out into other environments, especially in enterprise, quite easily. So, 
I'm going to stand somewhere over here. There we go. Right. So what it allowed me to do, it allowed me to become a, a marketing and sales Zen master, which means I, I did a lot of sales and marketing. So it allowed me to kind of appreciate the challenges that salespeople have and the challenges that marketing people have. And I'll get onto that a little bit more about the, the challenges of uh, marketing sales alignment. But HubSpot's uh, old keyword was smarketing, if, if I remember correctly. And everyone used to laugh. But when you understand what a marketer does and you understand what a salesperson does, it gives you, what, 360 vision. You understand what one challenges are so you can solve them on one hand and vice versa. And that is all about the communication, which is, is quite important. Right. The second thing that Game with HubSpot allowed me to do, it allowed me to actually talk about the facts. I now had a company that had all this research and data on how you're meant to sell, how you're meant to market. I could actually go back to my clients and go, look at what this company's done using this method. And it, it overcame a lot of obstacles I was having before when you're going through the sales journey and you're getting rejections. So you remember you had John talk about the, the guy that doesn't want to do anything for sales, anything for marketing. I've spoken to many marketing managers maybe three, four years ago. They didn't really appreciate marketing automation, marketing sales alignment. Now when I have conversations with people, they can't move to this space quick enough. But guess what? They're already three to four years behind and they're now catching up. Okay? So it helped us um, with me reporting facts and not saying it's just myth and stuff I'm making up to sell them our services. But what it allowed us to do from 2015, it allowed us to actually visualize a sales funnel and, and, and the journey of attracting strangers, converting, converting visitors into prospects, and then marketing those prospects, hopefully, into customers. Oh, there you go. There's my animation. Finally coming. Now, in 2018, I think it was, uh, HubSpot came out with the, the frictionless selling model or frictionless marketing and the wheel. So they, they took their, their process from attracting customers, converting and closing and delighting them, and said, look, you need to build momentum around that. Now, I like this wheel for two reasons. I'm going to spin it for you. All right. How many of you have had a, ever had a bad customer experience with, with a company? All right. Tons. How many of you had a wonderful experience with a company? How many of you then take that experience, let's say you go to a restaurant, right, and you have a really wonderful experience. You're now going to expect that experience wherever you go, right? If you go to doctors, if you go, I don't know, to McDonald's, you're going to expect that same quality of service. And if you don't, what does that cause? It causes friction, right? So frictionless selling isn't just friction, um, uh, frictionless interaction in terms of delighting your customers what it means is if you're not offering that service all the time you're going to get stuck later on because if you have a great experience in a different environment this is going to have an impact on your business if you're not offering that same sort of service now the reason why I like the wheel I'm going to talk about this a little bit how this um, works internally when I work with a lot of clients you can see where the sticking points are naturally because there's a lack of communication so when you talk to an organisation, you can say, well, actually, look, what are you doing? And they can talk, some will talk primarily about their marketing, some will primarily talk about their, their sales. And if they're talking about one and not the other, then you can see where the problems are. But really, when you talk to a company, they should be talking about both. Not one, not the other. So I'm going to talk about how I got started using Pardot. Um, and I, I, I spoke about Salesforce, so I had a lot of experience with Salesforce building um, marketing, well, sales funnels and, and doing some form of marketing. 
and we had a client that had Salesforce in, in, in-house, and they were evaluating uh, either HubSpot or Pardot. So guess who got tasked with uh, doing the evaluation? Moi, obviously. But what they eventually went with Pardot because Pardot bolted into their existing CRM, and so does HubSpot. But they were more comfortable going with what they knew. So we ended up, I, I ended up learning what the pros and cons were, were with, with Pardot and, and uh, HubSpot. And I used a lot of my HubSpot experience to actually do the evaluation correctly as a business when implementing Pardot. So after doing one of those and, and having the experience, I, I became a Pardot specialist. Uh, and, and, and doing some, uh, quite plenty, a lot of work. So the question that I asked earlier on, is it HubSpot versus Pardot? I don't think it is. I think they both have their merits and they work very differently in different organisations. So what happens is if you're in a small organisation or a large, large organisation, it isn't really the technology that you need to worry about. It's what is your culture? What is the culture in your organisation? So small companies think they're small companies. My idea is you're a small company, just won't become large. So when you start a company, you should always think of scalability first. Okay, and I want to talk about these differences. So HubSpot, um, the unique. Does anyone know what the unique feature of HubSpot actually is? No hand. Is that is that for me to answer? Okay, it is. All right. So the unique feature of HubSpot is you host your website on on a CRM. It's a marketing CRM where your your website lives, and you can track everything through your um, on your website back into your CRM and into your sales pipeline. And that is the key thing. You can build all your marketing activities in one place. So that means if you're a small company, you're about to scale up, it means you don't actually have to come out of HubSpot. As you grow, HubSpot will grow with you, right? So if you've got, um, you grow as a, let's say you're a two or one man team, and then you have an agency that comes on, you can use that in, in HubSpot. If you need your website redesigned, you can use HubSpot to do all those things. Um, another essence of HubSpot is it's got multi-touch reporting. Does anyone know what multi-touch reporting is? Hands up. Okay. So what it means is if I come in as a visitor and I go away and I come back later on, you can actually see all my touch points to conversion. I'll talk about Pardot. Pardot has that feature, but not as well. Now, that is a key thing. Um, again, HubSpot allows you to interact with many different tools. So you've got collaboration tools like Slack. How many of you use Slack? Put your hands up. How many of you use Asana? How many of you use Zapier? There you go. So HubSpot allows you to have all those features and you, you can collaborate all that data. You can extract all that data into data, databases, BI and everything else. Pardot, on the other hand, Pardot is more of a, a, a B2B marketing automation. And its prime function is mainly email marketing. Email marketing and nurturing journeys and uh, using email to engage with its prospects and leads. Um, and its goal is, is to create prospect prospects. Now what it does with all that information, it has lead scoring in place, but what it does with that information, it dumps it into a CRM. Now the biggest challenge when that happens is, what happens if your marketer and all your marketing information disappears from your platform and goes into another platform, you have no insight. Do you know what the challenge is? You don't know if it's working, and you don't really know if the sales team is actually doing anything with the, the, the work that you've done. Okay? But um, in large organizations, Pardot has um, some features that are quite nice. It's got hierarchy. It's got security. You can build out um, 
as I like to say, looming clenches and naming and, and, and file sharing systems. So if you've got big teams and you're global, Pardo allows you to keep those, those teams and content and, and, and data separate. And in big organisations, there might be legal requirements for that to do so. Um, HubSpot are actually are, um, putting some of those features in and, and scaling up to enterprise level. But at the moment, part of the Salesforce actually have that, um, that market kind of cornered, so to speak. So those are the, the, some of the differences. Right. Um, now, how many of you are using the workflows in, in HubSpot? Excellent. Okay, good. So how many use the workflows to, when a visitor comes in, um, for example, how many of you, have you set up workflows so it goes into the sales pipeline and you've got a sales team and in HubSpot? No, we have Okay, that's fine, that's okay. So you, you do that. So the great thing about HubSpot, when we, I started using HubSpot, I wanted to automate as much as possible, make my life as easy as possible. So I used a lot of the, the workflow sequences, build lists, uh, create deals, uh, text me when someone came in, etc., etc. And the workflow in HubSpot is a very powerful tool to do that. And the, it's the alignment between marketing and sales. Okay, I've got 10 minutes. So yeah, I've got 10 minutes. I'll, I'll put this. Um, HubSpot, for example, who uses lead scoring in HubSpot? So it means you've got the enterprise edition of HubSpot. So the lead scoring doesn't actually come... So in HubSpot, lead scoring and workflows is not as intuitive as it is in Pardot. Pardot has like workflows and, and, and lead scoring. So lead scoring, if you don't know, is if someone takes a, a certain act, a series of activities, you can add them points, take away points, and when they reach a certain score, you say, right, this is now from a, a marketing-qualified lead to a sales-qualified lead. Uh, they both have the functionality to a certain degree, in HubSpot, professional, well, basic and, and pro, it's, you can do that manually. In Pardot, it's out of the box. Um, with Pardot, because it's, it integrates with other CRMs, you can actually do a lot more functionality and automation processes. And it's got a nice little feature where you can actually record what it does. But in both environments where I've worked, I've used workflows to help with the marketing to help uh, prospects become qualified market, well, sales qualified leads and that all comes down to lead scoring creating activities, checking what they actually do any positive actions you add their scores and then you can pass it over to sales uh, I'll get to that um, the reporting in HubSpot, you're aware of the reporting um, in a smaller organisation HubSpot I think is ideal, your website is all in one place, you can see everything that's going you've got multi-touch reporting you can see what the sales team, sales pipeline is. You can look at your landing pages. You can see what your paid, your paid advertising is like. Um, and then you've got a deals dashboard that everyone can see if, if, if the administrators want them to actually see. So you can actually see what, what's actually going on within your environment. With Pardot, it's, it's slightly different. Pardot, um, biggest challenge is if you're using it in conjunction with Salesforce, it only has like one-touch reporting. So you can only see where a visitor comes in once. You, don't actually, you can't actually see where it's reporting or where they've actually converted on a second or third time. If they're using B2B analytics, it then takes all of its data and you can actually get the reporting on um, multiple touch points. But the beauty is you can actually import it straight into Salesforce. And in big organisations, what you'll tend to see, they'll have a Salesforce team, 
that does all their sales, their, their operations team that supports the marketing and sales. And that's where Pardot is, is, is fundamentally different, where they just, you just do the marketing, you have different divisions. You might have a, a team where it's uh, uh, enterprise-wise, it's a, a big team. You'll have a team for websites, a team for sales, a team for marketing, even a team just to do your PPC. But I'm, I've got nine minutes, so I'll quickly run for it. So, as you can see, enterprise and SMEs, they are the same beast, but they are different animals. Okay? So, with enterprises, you've got challenges of implementing Pardot or, or HubSpot. When you're looking at building your, your sales um, strategy, in an enterprise level, you've got to deal with decision makers, you've got to deal with larger, you've got larger budgets, you've got more human resources, uh, you've got bigger departments and teams. Um, usually they have multiple products and multiple services. Um, and within that, you'll have teams that support those products and services. And then you've got large marketing teams, and again, you've got additional third-party suppliers. Now, HubSpot actually seems really ideal for this environment, right? But most people go with Pardot because they need that segmentation. With smaller companies, um, usually it's single de decision makers, smaller budgets, limited resources, and they've usually got one or two service offers in, offerings and a small sales team and a very simple structure. So when you're looking to bring in a, a strategy or a sales plan, it's easier in a small team. It's a bit more challenging in a larger team because you've got more moving parts and more people to convince. So what do they have in common? Um, I, I've mentioned some of these. So the commonalities in HubSpot, they're both marketing automation systems, but I think that the, 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 the key thing is you can use it to actually make your life easier through the automation process. Email marketing, uh, social media marketing. Um, it just reduces that friction of getting your job done as you have to do more with it. I'm, I'm going to hurry through because I've got seven minutes and I would like to take some questions. So, all right. The biggest problem with marketing automation is content. How many of you struggle creating content? Can I ask why? Time, all right. So it's time. Yeah, you know, you've got to feed the beast. So in big organizations, what I found was um, there is a sticking point in terms of rolling out uh, marketing automation platforms. And the reason being is they might not have the right content. They, they might not have enough content. It might take too much time to create content. Um, are they producing content in the right medium? Um, do they have enough team to actually support this content and all these activities? Um, you'll get this problem with Pardot and Salesforce because, again, this is not necessarily a platform. It's more of a process, uh, and it can be very challenging. And another issue is where do I find the content? So if you're having a challenge finding content, the, what you can do is you can look at uh, what your customers are, are searching for. You can look at the, your products, what the teams are actually engaging in, what's happening in the industry. And you can create your content around that. And creating content is something that HubSpot does really well or helps you to do very well. So how many of you use the uh, keyword uh, tool uh, uh, blogger in, in HubSpot? Okay, brilliant. Um, I'm going to go through. Okay, content production. So after you know what you're doing with your content, how do you actually get it produced? How many of you use the uh, content feature in HubSpot, the uh, marketing, content marketing platform? Well, I do. It's brilliant. 
But what it means is you can actually have a, a, a long, you can keep an eye on your content production plan, timings, delivery, and publications. In Pardot, you don't have those features. But again, if you're using Pardot um, and you're working in an enterprise environment, you'll have a team that are using a different project management or content management tool to, to deliver content and so forth. All right, 36. So, I'm going to get to the crux of this. Right, so, why do sales not talk to marketing? Why do you think that happens? Okay, one set. Right, the reason why it doesn't happen, what I found in big organisations is they're very big. People in the marketing team are very, very busy. People in the sales team are very, very busy. So, it's not that they don't talk to each other. It's that they don't really have time to engage with each other because they're just busy. And what I also found is that when you're dealing with large organisations is data gets lost. So as data moves from one different system, from another system, not everyone has eyes and ears on, on, on that information. So you have to learn how to, to bridge that gap. And I'm going to talk about how do you do that. So I look at, when I go into an organisation and I'm doing the marketing on their PARDOT, I always talk to the sales team. And I... I'm always amazed how happy the sales team are to talk to me. Or oh, they're just being very polite. Um, but the good thing about that is... I've got one more slide. The good thing about um, create, um, talking to the sales team is you can work out what their sales process is. How many touch points do they have after a lead is passed to them? What are the sticking points? Have they actually agreed what a, a sales qualified lead is? Uh, what content do they actually need to send out after they've um, they become an SQL? Um, and that's what I do. I just go in and talk to the salespeople and find out how can my marketing activities support your selling activities. So some of the things that I, I, learnt, I learnt to do was um, in, in these environments is you talk to the salespeople and they tell you a story and you work out what that story is and then you translate that back into, well, if they've got all these challenges, how do I remove them in the marketing process? Uh, I was going to go through all this, but I'm running out of time. So I try and think of creating a frictionless sales pipeline. So some of you mentioned LinkedIn. How I would do it is what I've done in the past is I would create a, a dedicated LinkedIn sales pipeline for the sales team. Okay? How many of you guys are using Sales Navigator? It was mentioned earlier on. Put your hands up. Sales Navigator is a brilliant way to actually go out and reach out and talk to your, your customers directly and do that on behalf of the salesperson. And actually go, look, here's a lead, bring that in, and then they can actually start engaging. Also take, if they're doing trade shows and events, which is a, is a really good one, build out a system that actually helps them be more effective at that trade show pre and post um, the event, and then the follow-ups. Look at building in webinars, um, for example, or roundtables, if they're doing roundtables and webinars. Again, you can build out really simple marketing plans within Pardot and HubSpot that supports the sales team. And what, you'll, what I found is, this is just my own personal experience, what I found is sales teams are really receptive to this because what you're doing is you're, you're moving um, friction in their lives. You're getting them to do work with new technologies, but you're managing a lot of the problems, and then you can hand that over once they actually see it working. And what that, what that means is it's really cheap, easy wins for them. But what it also does, it empowers your team. Okay. So remember when I said to you, marketing, um, in the training that we got from HubSpot, it, it taught me about marketing, but it really taught me about the sales side of, of the business. And when you have the sales side of the business, you understand what the sales challenges are. So in my last role, they were selling things like 
power plants, right? Uh, turbines, lubricants for uh, renew um, for turbines. Um, it's not necessarily my master skill, but because I understand how that sell, what the sales process can entail, I can align that back to the marketing activities which they want me to focus on. Okay, so okay, I'll get to the last slide. So, one of the key ways of getting success with your um, with your sales and marketing strategy, it's gone again. Okay, it is to actually get teams working together. So. Some of the methods I use is, I like to work with people that are quite proactive, that want to solve problems, that want to be really good at what they're doing. Um, and that's really great if you're trying to create sales, uh, to get sales teams on board. So what I do, I identify people that want to use new technology, they want to make a mark on themselves, or make a mark in the company, and I get them working together on a project. I say, look, I want to, I want to do some lead gen, let's use this, this technology and create a, a lead gen pipeline. And it's a very small project. I call those like water cooler projects. Takes very little time, very little effort. And that's human insight, and you get them working together. Then I look at what the business goals are. So in organisations, they have... Yeah, got to wrap it up. So in organisations, they've got a lot of business goals. So if you align those activities with the business goals, you can actually say, look, here's something that actually works. We've tested it, and it aligns. And then obviously we decide which marketing tech we're going to use. And in some cases, it might be Pardot. In some cases, it might be HubSpot. So, to finish off, I think this is a bit longer. Marketing tech only helps a good team. Okay? So, it's all about collaboration. And in my findings, if you're, whether you're large or small, if you're going to put sales and marketing strategies in, identify who wants to actually use the technology, start off with really small projects, get them working, and then, uh, then offer them to the stakeholders so they can actually promote them and so forth. And I've run out of time, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, we're probably going to hold off on questions. I mean, just my summary of that, and it's quite interesting because my experience sort of building CRM systems and investment banks in the 90s is it hasn't really changed much, <laughs> right? It's about process. It's about people. It's about getting teams to work together. And I think your experience with Shell is pretty much, was, it doesn't yeah. really matter that it's HubSpot under the covers or if, or if it's Pardot under the covers. It's the people and how you manage them. It, it is. And um, one, just before we go, it's, I think people get confused with technology. People think technology is a panacea to solve problems within organisations. It's not. It's really about having the right team and, and having people that are driven. And the thing about technology is it, it creates a lot of change and change is uncomfortable. But if you work with people that are comfortable with that change, it adopts a culture change eventually. So that's nothing. Thank you so much for that. We're going to take a break, have some coffee, network chat, and then we'll come back for the last talk. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.